Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. How's it going? Welcome to week two of A God Who Came Close. Last week, we talked about the Father, and this week, we're going to talk about the Son. And in Matthew 3, he's baptized. And in verse 13, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Father, we thank you for your Bible, for the church, for this moment that we have to be together. We pray you speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We talked about this last week. But condescension is something that we try and avoid. To be condescending, to be patronizing, is not something that we want to be. I can think right now of a, a thousand spousal conversations, elbowing your partner, saying, don't be so condescending. Why were you so rude to that person? Or, on the other hand, receiving it from someone else. Oh, that person was so patronizing. That we don't want to be or experience anything that even has a sniff of condescension. The issue I have with the definition, though, is that there is another subtle, more nuanced definition of the word condescension with which we can assert in our view of God. And that is this. It is a voluntary descent from one's rank or dignity in relation to an inferior. A voluntary descent from one's rank. Just to cut to the chase. Isn't that exactly what God has done for us? Didn't he voluntarily descend from his rank or dignity into our lives? That his descent was in a relation to an inferior, and that inferior, my friends, is us. I think as a Christian from a young age or a young stage as being a believer, we understand that Jesus came. We understand that he was a man. We understand that he was like a dude. He was a teacher. And some people can just like narrow him down or whittle him down or simplify him down to just that. We believe he's God, but he was a man at the same time. The prophesied savior, the Messiah, the sent one. We should focus on him because he deserves our adoration and focus. But at the same time, understanding that he represents God and that God came close. I remember walking around the Louvre some years back with Nadia and I was just blown away, amazed, astounded at the amount of Jesus that I saw. It was everywhere. Every painting, 80-90% Jesus. Mother Mary Jesus, baby Jesus, little baby Jesus. Just every, every sculpture, every statue, every painting. Jesus. Because the world adores this man, this God-man that came at Christmas. That he has been lifted up and admonished by many. So much so that he was crucified on that hill. In this series, we wanted to highlight that it isn't just about the fact that Jesus came, but that God was at work for a long time. On the one hand, the sermon is redundant, isn't it? Because Jesus came close. 
And if Jesus came close, then inherently speaking, God came close because we believe that the Bible says in the book of Colossians that in the man Jesus was the fullness of the deity, that God existed in this man. Jesus is God and Jesus was a man all at the same time. But on the other hand, we see this redemptive journey of humanity right through the Old Testament and we see cameos. We see the Holy Spirit at work hovering on the waters in Genesis. We see theophanies or cameos of Jesus through the Old Testament. And if you're taking notes, just to, I guess, reiterate or highlight again a couple of things we said last week. The first thing we would say is this, is that in our church, we believe, which is an orthodox Christian belief, that our God is three in one. Three in one. People have said it's like, um, like an egg. Shell, yolk, egg white. All in one. It's one egg, but there are three parts. People have said it's like three slices of cherry pie. The same ingredient, the same thing, just three different parts. People have said it's like water, ice, and steam. It's all H2O, but one gas, one liquid, and one solid. All great, but not perfect examples of what it actually is, because it is, my friends, a mystery. But we do believe, and we could describe it in a word, in monotheism, one God. We don't believe in multiple superior spiritual beings that all have equal power and rule the world. We're not talking about Zeus and the gods. We believe in one God, that through Jesus, he's the way to the Father. But at the same time, we believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our three parts, one God. Here's a term for you. The Trinitarian Godhead is what we believe. We're just a little bit teachy for just a minute. We believe in the Trinitarian Godhead in the concept that there's first amongst equals, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are both sent of the Father, that he's the first, but amongst equals. Matthew 3.16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. When he came up out of the water, heaven opened up. What happened? The Holy Spirit formed on the Son in the form of a dove, and God spoke the Father. T.D. Jakes says, our God is beyond our intellect. And if you can define him and completely describe him and say that you are the end or definition, he ceases to be God. That there's this, this base platform for the series is simply this. We believe in God and our God is three in one. Another thing we want to highlight, which is reiterating a point from last week, is this. Is that all three manifestations of God have made appearances at different times. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. <laughs> but he appeared, Jesus, in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels. He preached among the nations, was believed in, on in the world, and was taken up in glory. We believe that God is eternally existing in three persons. That he is three persons or three manifestations existing in relationship with one another at all times. The message translation of 1 Timothy 3.16 says... This Christian life is a great mystery, far exceeding our understanding, but some things are clear enough. I recently read that we can't erase mystery for certainty in the name of orthodoxy. And someone else put it a great way. They said it's like a dimmer switch with God, that we can live in mystery, but as soon as we feel like we're certain, that we realize it's still a great mystery. And we dimmer that often in our walk with God, and that, my friends, is okay. What is clear enough, though, is that we can see that God is at work through the Old Testament and through the New. And there's this awesome handover of relationship and impact at different times. 
that the father in this moment announced the son and that the son took center stage. But then when he ascended, he announced and did a handshake. You know, there's email handshakes. Hey, you know, like, hey, Chris and Jaden, I'd love to, you guys to meet each other. Or like an iMessage handshake, like, and then you kind of leave the chat, you know? And it's like Jesus has left the chat, you know? But then the Holy Spirit has entered in, became the admin on the WhatsApp group. We see many interactions through the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, we see, let us make man in our own image. This us, this language of relationship, there's more than one. There's more, there's, there's, there's different manifestations or persons within God. The, the egg yolk speaking to the egg white. That the father speaking to many people. We see Abraham and Noah and Adam, Jacob's vision and Isaiah's vision. We see Jesus, these theophanies in the Old Testament, the angel wrestling with Jacob, wrenching his hip, the fourth man in the fire in the book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We see the rock in the desert. We see the snake lifted up by Moses in the book of Exodus. The Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2. We call it Pentecost. But culminating in this, this um, series of events, we wrap up the Old Testament and we start the New Testament with the most breathtaking and explosive moment in human history. That everything that's happened before it has led to this moment. And if you're taking notes today, what I would like to say is this. I want you to write this down. The sun came close. The sun, Jesus, the centerpiece of our faith, came close. A few weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the wedding banquet. That is a good sermon. Download that if you haven't heard it. Uh, available real good books are sold. Uh, we made this observation that the father celebrated the son. We made this other observation. We've got the sense like the son simply received the celebration of the father. Remember that? Jesus is talking. He's like, okay, there's a wedding banquet and a king was um, preparing a banquet for his son who's getting married. And the king did all the stuff and then the son was just kind of like, he was the centerpiece of the banquet. He was getting married. This was a great moment. He's the prince. But all these workers were working hard and all these servants were making it happen. The guests were like super key. They were the whole point of the parable. But the son was just present in his celebration. And we find that with the relationship between the Father and the Son, that they're so honoring of one another, but Jesus is so endorsed and loved as the pinnacle moment of human redemption. That from the unannounced angels at his birth, the exaltation by the Apostle Paul, who says, uh, we preach Christ, full stop. That the sense that you get in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, I think, where the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That Mark 9 verse 7, when God speaks, he says, this is my son, whom I love. <laughs> this is, he adds something on from, from Matthew 3 to Mark 9, six chapters later. Obviously different books, but chronologically, a few steps forward. He says, this is my son, whom I love. And in the baptism, he says, with whom I'm well pleased. But by the time we get to Mark chapter 9, this is my son, whom I love. And he says this, listen to him. That the father has given the stamp of approval to the son whose name is Jesus. That of all the impacting moments where God came, the birth, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus are the most explosive. Which brings us to the Christmas story. The story on which carefully and in detail paints the picture of the ultimate condescension of God to humanity. Colossians 2.9 For in Christ all of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
1 Timothy 3.16, this Christian life is a great mystery, but some things are clear enough. He appeared in human body. The King James says that God manifested in the flesh. Philippians 2 verse 5 through 11 says this, In the relationships that you have with one another, have the mindset of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by the taking of very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Verse 8, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If you're taking notes, I've got three thoughts about Jesus today as we build nicely into Christmas, as we build nicely into some Mariah Carey, some Michael Buble, some Reliant K Christmas album, as we lean in. Let me say a couple of things about Jesus. The first one is this. Jesus came as a son. Jesus came as a son. The son of God was also the son of Mary. The son of Mary would use most often to describe himself with the moniker son of man the son of god was the son of mary called himself the son of man have you ever prayed for something only to have that prayer answered and have it not look like the way that you want it to be answered like you had an answer in mind so you had the question in mind so you prayed god could you please then you had an answer in mind and then he gave it to you a certain way which didn't look like the, the picture that you had in your mind Happens all the time. So for instance, I remember praying for a child, but God sent diapers. That's not what I pictured. I didn't picture that I would have to do this. I didn't picture that I have to, have to clean up after gremlins. I just wanted a child and the good things that come with that. I prayed for a marriage, but God sent, God sent disagreements. God sent a woman that would sharpen me, but sharpening in the blacksmith just looks like bludgeoning sometimes. Prayed for a marriage, but God sent challenges that would refine me and make me a better man. I prayed for friends, but God sent people to um, refine me and question me and push me and motivate me, but I just wanted friends. I prayed for a job, but this one has challenges. I prayed for a really great character building 2020 and 2021 but it just so happened that in a pandemic, those prayers would be answered. My point is simply this, is that every answered prayer looks different. And Jesus on the earth is no different. Imagine if it happened again today, in Canada, right now, right here. We, we might expect a celebrity, for sure. An athlete or a crossover. You know, Fabio and Zoolander calls it a slashy act a slash model a, a slashy an act a slash athlete slash celebrity an influencer a politician a war hero the rock we might expect something and god very seldom would deliver it the way that we prayed it imagine if god simply sent a human child a baby i mean honestly imagine that Imagine like, oh man, the Messiah, the sent one, the prophesied son. I love all these um, books and movies about the prophesied one. We think about Harry Potter, the prophesied one. And we think about even Dune. I don't know much about Dune, but I watched it, loved it, 9 out of 10. But it's about the prophesied one. You see these themes come through. Imagine that with generations, millennia, 
prophesied one, the prophesied one. He's going to come. He's going to run for office. Like he's going to win the next election. Snap election. Jesus is going to win. And he's also going to captain the senators to a Stanley Cup victory for the first time in 90 years. Yep. He's going to do all these great things. He's going to run a like sub two minute marathon, you know. But honestly, imagine if God sent a baby. The biggest issue now that I would have would be that I would then have to engage in delayed gratification. I've waited all this time for the prophesied Messiah, the son who would come close, and he came as a baby. I don't have to wait for the baby to grow because <laughs> he's not going to do anything as a child. He's not going to do anything before the age of 10. He probably is not going to do anything before the age of 20. It would so happen that he wouldn't even do anything before the age of 30. It would be a crossover of three decades before we could see and even generations after that where we could truly see the impact that he would have. I've waited this long. The last thing I want to do is wait even longer. It's as if God wanted to go to great lengths to show us his willingness to walk in the human condition, to be human, to be us, to empathize. Philippians 2 verse 7 says, Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Prince of Peace expressed immense humility in his condescension. I feel like I express humility when I condescend to the Lego, when I condescend to the mat, when I condescend to the arts and crafts and the watercolors and the drawing, when I condescend. But he came as a son. He came as a man. He empathized with our condition. He humbled himself as a human being, as a son, subservient to a mum, subservient to a dad, to be a part of the family. He was a sibling. He was a friend. He was just like you and me. That he experienced grief, pain, loss, joy. That he was very much human. My point is this, is that he came as one of us. He came humble, vulnerable, normal, human. Jesus came as a son. If you're taking notes, write this down. He didn't just come as a son. Jesus came as our savior. You see, we need more than help. And God recognized that. We didn't just need a helping hand, a cajoling, an ushering back into the straight and narrow to find true north. We needed a savior. And the difference between a helper and a savior is simply this. A savior comes to save. That he came as our high priest. He came as an intercessor. Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 says this, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. The psalmist asks, Who is like you, Lord? Majestic and holiness. Who is like God? Holy, perfect, faultless. I'll never forget second year of university. I crushed my first year. I'm doing sociology, English literature, um, doing some law at that same time. And I wrote a, a, um, an essay, a John Ronald Rule Tolkien essay. The author of Lord of the Rings, Silmarillion, The Hobbit, one of the best-selling authors, one of the most influential minds uh, in human history. 
I wrote an essay and I gave it to my pastor and she was scholarship level English literature graduate um, and, and student, like just brilliant. And I was like, oh, what, perfect, what better person to critique my essay before I hand it in than, than Gillian? So I gave it to her and I'll never forget when she gave it back. She said, um, yeah, no, it was great. And um, like I would, um, yeah, I would, I would give it a B for sure. Um, you know, there's definitely room for improvement. <laughs> and I remember thinking, when I gave it to her, I was like, A plus, 100%. 100, 100, 100. Gave her the essay, expecting that she would come back and say, oh, stunning. What an outstanding essay, A plus. A minus on a bad day. But she said, yeah, I'll give it a B. Definitely room for improvement. Someone once sent me recently a, um, a review like an IMDB review of The Eternals. And it was a six out of 10, this review. And it said six out of 10, it said, among other things, I I summarized it by taking a couple of key phrases out and it said this, not bad, mostly good, could have been a really good movie. Not bad, mostly good, could have been a really good movie. When I handed over this essay, I was expecting that she would say, stunning, no room for improvement. But she said this, not bad, mostly good. Could have been a really good essay. Imagine if someone critiques anything you do. Hey, I just want to talk to you about your day at work, you know, whatever. Hey, not bad, mostly good. Could have been a really good day. My point is this, he's perfect. He's not not bad. He's not mostly good. He's not, could have been a really good God. He's like only good all the time, is perfect and holy, and in him there is no room for improvement. That he has never received this kind of advice. I took that advice and got an A, by the way, just to circle back and complete that story. So I went from not bad to, well, yep, that's right, correct. Um, Stunning result. Ezekiel 18 verse 20 says, the one who sins is the one who will die. In other words, there is a price for us and there's room for improvement. We don't hit the mark, the Bible says. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. In short, we need help. But like I said, it's that we don't just need help because a, help, a helper helps. If you need help, you need a helper. If you need saving, you need a savior. And Jesus came. The great news is, is that a savior does more than help, he saves. And he offers something that no one else can offer you. And that is right standing with God. No one can offer you that but Jesus that he came as the son, that he came as the savior. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The last thing I'll say is this, is that Jesus came as the sacrifice. One of the clearest purposes of the life of Christ was that it would end. One of the clearest reasons that he came was to die. That the son was born at Christmas with his eyes clearly on Easter. Hebrews 10.10 says, and by that will, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. Another translation says this. He set aside the first in order to enact the new plan, God's way, by which we are made fit for God by the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. Now, just to give you a a, a kind of a picture, it's a bit grotesque, so stay with me. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals for the bleeding of blood to pay the price for sin. But it was like temporary. 
It was like, oh man, the nation has sinned. Quick, shed some blood. Let there be life shed. Let there be a price paid for the sin of the nation, for the sin of mankind. But it was always temporary. Just a stopgap. And then Jesus came. The once and for all sacrifice is done. When he came and died, he was it. There's no more need for more blood to be shed. The price has been paid. The ransom has been paid. We are made fit for God by the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That his sacrifice isn't just special. It isn't just great. Friends, it is necessary to have relationship with Jesus for his sacrifice to wash over you and you to be included in what he's done. For without his birth, his death, his resurrection, we don't have relationship with the Father. T.D. Jake says this. He said, It is not robbery to the divinity to say God was manifest in the flesh. It is not robbery to the divinity of God to say that God was manifest in the flesh, that the Son came close as a Son, as a Savior, but fundamentally understand this, as a sacrifice for you and me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 John 2 verse 2 as I close. That he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins but also for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That he loved the world, that he loved everybody, every people group, every person, so much that he gave his one and only son. That Jesus from the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day was looking for those who were in rebellion, looking for those who were away from him. And friends are still looking. I was 13 years old when I found God. I didn't realize he'd been looking for me. I didn't realize that. He desired that my name would be in the Lamb's Book of Life. I didn't realize that he looked through the corridor of time and earmarked the moment that we would have a relationship together. I didn't know that. I was living my life. I had never been to church. Maybe that's you today. Never been to church. Never mentioned God. Never prayed. Never even thought about there being something else out there, apart from when I watched scary movies. And I walked into church. I was actually in a movie theater and prayed that prayer. And I'll never forget the next day, it felt like the grass was greener. The next day, it felt like the air was clearer. The next day, it felt like the sun was warmer. The next day, it felt like my life had changed. There was joy that I never thought that I could have. There was peace in my heart that I never knew was available because my life was enriched and came alive when I met Jesus. We gather every Sunday. We meet every week. We have worship nights all the time. We put an effort to make sure that our online campus is working, ready, and, and quality, and everything we do is to disciple Christians into sainthood through sanctification, to follow Jesus, to become more like him, to have the fruit of the Spirit in his life, to abide in John 15 says, to bear more fruit, much fruit. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. But for those that are far from God, we know that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, to seek people who are away from him, who are indifferent about God. And if you're here today, if you're searching, seeking looking how he's seeking looking he's coming after you he's got your name he's got your number and today's that day where we come into relationship with him and i'd love to pray a very simple prayer so if that's you and you're saying i need to pray that prayer there's a button you can press 
on the online chat, which is I want to make a decision for Christ. One of our prayer partners will chat with you just off the chat in a private way. Just reach out, see how you're going. But I want to pray this prayer. And so if you're here today and, and you're distant from God and you want to pray this prayer and get your life right with Him, you're away from Him, you want to come close. Understand that a God, our God, came close through Jesus, manifest in the flesh. Let's pray to Him today. Prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you so much. I'm about to hand you back to the hosts. But you know what's really cool? Next week, wrapping up our series, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is Tyler Fitch, one of our church's greatest communicators, such a brilliant preacher, just got a fire for God. And you're going to be so encouraged to hear what he has to say. And this tag team relationship of God building relationship, walking in the garden, this redemptive journey, Jesus coming, manifest in the flesh. But then this moment where he ascends and kind of like tag team slaps out and the other wrestler jumps in and the Holy Spirit turns up on the day of Pentecost and infills with us today. And I'm excited to hear what Tyler has to say. So make sure you tune in next week. Love you so much, church. See you later. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.